"'What odds, then?' "'What odds, Mrs. Dilber?' said the woman. "'Every person has a right to take care of themselves. "'He always did.' "'That's true indeed,' said the laundress. "'No man more so.' "'Why, then, don't stand staring as if you was afraid, woman. "'Who's the wiser? "'We're not going to pick holes in each other's coats, I suppose.' "'No, indeed,' said Mrs. Dilbert and the man together. "'We should hope not.' "'Very well, then,' cried the woman. "'That's enough. "'Who's the worse for the loss of a few things like these? "'Not a dead man, I suppose.' "'No, indeed,' said Mrs. Dilber, laughing.' "'If he wanted to keep him after he was dead, wicked old screw,' pursued the woman, "'why wasn't he natural in his lifetime? "'If he had been, he'd have had someone to look after him "'when he was struck with death instead of lying gasping out his last there, "'alone by himself.' "'It's the truest word that ever was spoke,' said Mrs. Dilber. "'It's a judgment on him.' "'I wish it was a little heavier judgment,' replied the woman. "'And it should have been. You may depend upon it. "'If I could have laid my hands on anything else. "'Open that bundle, old Joe, and let me know the value of it. "'Speak out plain. I'm not afraid to be the first, nor afraid for them to see it. "'We know pretty well that we were helping ourselves before we met here, I believe. "'It's no sin. Open the bundle, Joe.' But the gallantry of her friends would not allow for this, and the man, in faded black, mounting the breech first, produced his plunder. It was not extensive, a seal or two, a pencil case, a pair of sleeve buttons, and a brooch of no great value were all. They were severally examined and appraised by old Joe, who chalked the sums he was disposed to give for each upon the wall, and added them up into a total when he found there was nothing more to come. Ah, that's your account, said Joe. And I wouldn't give another sixpence if I was to be boiled for not doing it. Who's next? Mrs. Dilber was next. Sheets and towels, a little wearing apparel, two old-fashioned silver teaspoons, a pair of sugar tongs, and a few boots. Her account was stated on the wall in the same manner. I always give too much to the ladies. It's a weakness of mine. That's the way I ruin myself, said old Joe. That's your account. If you asked me for another penny and made it an open question, I'd repent of being so liberal and knock off a half-crown. And now undo my bundle, Joe, said the first woman. Joe went down on his knees for the greater convenience of opening it, and having unfastened a great many knots, dragged out a large and heavy roll of some dark stuff. "'What do you call this?' said Joe. "'Bed curtains.' "'Ah,' returned the woman, laughing and leaning forward on her crossed arms. "'Bed curtains.' "'You don't mean to say you took him down, rings and all, with him lying there,' said Joe." "'Yes, I do,' replied the woman. "'And why not?' "'You were born to make your fortune,' said Joe. "'And you'll certainly do it.' "'I certainly shan't hold my hand "'when I can get anything in it by reaching it out. 
for the sake of such a man as he was. I promise you, Joe, returned the woman coolly. Don't drop oil upon the blankets now. His blankets? asked Joe. Who else's do you think? replied the woman. He isn't likely to take cold without him, I dare say. I hope he didn't die of anything catching, eh? said old Joe, stopping in his work and looking up. Ah, don't you be afraid of that, returned the woman. I ain't so fond of his company that I'd loiter about him for such things if he did. Ah, you may look through that shirt till your eyes ache, but you won't find a hole in it, nor a threadbare place. It's the best he had, and a fine one, too. They'd have wasted it if it hadn't been for me. Hmm, and what do you call wasting of it? asked old Joe. "'Putting it on him to be buried in, to be sure,' replied the woman with a laugh. "'Somebody was fool enough to do it, but I took it off again. "'If Calico ain't good enough for such a purpose, it isn't good enough for anything. "'It's quite as becoming to the body. "'He can't look uglier than he did in that one.' Scrooge listened to this dialogue in horror. As they sat grouped about their spoil in the scanty light afforded by the old man's lamp, he viewed them with a detestation and disgust, which could hardly have been greater, though they had been obscene demons, marketing the corpse itself. Ha, ha, ha! laughed the same woman when old Joe, producing a flannel bag with money in it, told out their several gains upon the ground. This is the end of it, you see. He frightened everyone away from him when he was alive to profit us when he was dead. Ha, ha, ha. Spirit, said Scrooge, shuddering from head to foot. I see, I see. The case of this unhappy man might be my own. My life tends that way now. Merciful heaven, what is this? He recoiled in terror, for the scene had changed, and now he almost touched a bed a bare, uncurtained bed, on which, beneath a ragged sheet, there lay a something covered up, which, though it was dumb, announced itself in awful language. The room was very dark, too dark to be observed with any accuracy, though Scrooge glanced round it in obedience to a secret impulse, anxious to know what kind of room it was. A pale light, rising in the outer air, fell straight upon the bed, and on it, plundered and bereft, unwatched, unwept, uncared for, was the body of this man.'